Welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus. Today, we're going to find out what it takes to make beautiful things. More specifically, we're exploring luxury packaging in a highly volatile and challenging consumer landscape. How do luxury businesses balance function, brand story and sustainability? Joining me to discuss this are Vincent Villager, a creative consultant and luxury packaging superstar with years of experience in the luxury industry, including eight years as director of packaging design at Burberry. Also joining me, Davy Pignate, Stylus's own senior editor of product design, fresh from publishing our latest series of packaging futures reports. So check them out on stylus.com now if you haven't seen them. So, Vincent, you specialise in packaging for the luxury industry. What are the challenges that you face now and how have things changed over the past few years? Well, obviously, the, the design of packaging is really closely linked to consumer behaviour. And we've seen this shift massively in the last 10 or 20 years since my, my career really began. So whether it's the way that um, people respond to fragrance trends that will impact the design of a bottle from being very storytelling-led to being a lot more about the craft of fragrance, if you like. But also, more importantly, probably the shift from uh, an exclusively retail-led consumption to the uh, advent of online um, business. And that is a massive shift for, for packaging design, obviously. So how, how has that shift sort of manifested itself in the actual work that you've been doing over the past few years? What's changed for you? Um, I mean, it, it's changed pretty much everything. The way we tell the story of the brand through packaging. The, the, those, are, those are basics uh, that in terms of design principles, they remain. But in terms of um, what kind of experience we provide, the scale at which we communicate, so whether we're aiming to broadcast to somebody else or whether we uh, aim to provide a more intimate one-on-one -on -one, uh, experience with the packaging, then to the materials we use, you know, um, the, the function of shipping um, a piece of clothing from A to B um, is very different to somebody picking it up from a from a high-end retail store. So it's it's affected everything, um, but I would say that the basic design principles, um, you know, are the heart of what we do, and that, and that's really is 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 there to stay. I think. What's sort of exciting you now about the work that you do? I mean, obviously, as you say, things have changed. Are things getting? more challenging but is that challenge challenge creating more opportunity for you yeah absolutely i mean the challenge is what keeps it interesting um but also the exciting pieces are, are the pieces that that have stayed the same so for instance the bit i really enjoy doing is is the early process uh, where you need to understand the brand's dna you need to very quickly as a as a as a designer especially as a, as a consultant designer to be able to understand what it is that is unique to this brand, what story you want to tell, and how you're going to convert that into into the the design of a packaging. So that that early stage, I think, is really exciting. The fact that the landscape has changed, whether it's through consumer behavior with the online businesses, or whether it's with the um, uh, the need for sustainability recently, that keeps it fresh and interesting, and in that they provide. Um, Opportunities more than challenges. Um, I also get quite quite geekily excited about the development stages. So once you know exactly what your concept is and you know what you want to do, um, you, you're left with a small matter of actually implementing it and executing it. And um, that's where the challenges become less creative, a lot more 
technical, but I do see that as a creative process. And I, I, I get a lot more excited when I get involved in this process. Um, it can be quite frustrated for me to hand the keys over of a concept and, and watch somebody else try to deliver it. So how important is it to engage with the senses through packaging, um, with tactility, for example? Packaging really is a three-dimensional discipline, and, and that is really important to remember. The, the, the thing that I um, really like to communicate whenever I talk about packaging is that there is a lot more to designing packaging than printing graphics on a box. Um, we are seeing physical channels getting eroded all the time. Um, digital is really um, now forming the, the majority of our communications channels. So packaging is, is one of the last remaining bastions of, of physical interaction, if you like. Um, and, and for me, that really um, illustrates why that tactility is so important. Um, if you are a brand and you have retail stores, then you have those opportunities to express your brand in a, in a three-dimensional physical way through uh, um, you know, that, this tactility, whether it's uh, you know, the cold feel of a, of a metal versus a grainy wood. Um, so you, you have all of these and the packaging job is really to support this and to complete the picture. But increasingly, we have brands which do not have this uh, retail presence, um, brands that are exclusively online, and for these brands, packaging has become really their only physical touch point, their only physical representation. And so that really puts a lot on the shoulder of, of the design of a box, essentially, to uh, represent that brand in the physical world, um, not just on a three-inch screen. So what, um, perhaps you could just t discuss briefly, like what drives the decision for you to, to choose something like a, a cold metal over a grain? What, 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 what's the process there in terms of taking the brand and, and understanding exactly what kind of tactility it needs? I think it's really about looking for um, what is already there in the brand. Um, I don't think of the packaging as a, as a way to introduce new components of the brand. It's really about delivering on a consumer's expectation of what a brand is and ideally um, exceeding it. So looking at things like the brand's history um, will, will, will give you clues. Um, looking at a brand's iconic product will, will um, you know, give you avenues as well. That's what we did with Burberry. You know, the, the packaging design was really about, uh, it was really centered around the development of a bespoke paper. And what I set out to do with this paper development was really to replicate the gabardine fabric, which is the, the uh, material that the iconic trench coat is made of. So that was a great journey to be able to have the opportunity to develop a paper from scratch with a brilliant UK-based um, uh, paper mill and really to make sure that the colour was an exact replica, that the texture was, was right. Um, and if you look at this packaging, there's really not much else going on. It's really about nailing this material and creating a very straightforward, simple link between the packaging and the brand through the means of this material, this iconic material. It's a very complicated thing to do, 
but conceptually it's that simple. Great. Yeah, our research also shows that um, engaging um, on a multi-sensory level through packaging really creates a deeper connection between between brand and consumer. Um, and there's some lovely examples like the fabric you mentioned um, when packaging amplifies a specific product characteristic, it really enhances, like, boosts that experience. Well, no, another example I, I, um, I could give is the example of the design I've done recently for a jewellery brand called Vashi. And they really pitched themselves as a disruptor in that in that world. So they came to me with a, a well-established uh, colour palette and, and they had this bright orange. And, and you could see the stores had been designed really cleverly where they had this real split between what was about the product and this was all really hard surfaces and metals and wood and what was the experience of buying an engagement ring and this was a lot more vibrant and colourful and homely and soft. And so I replicated that through the design of the packaging. Packaging is really a a journey when you you, um, open the product. So starting from the outside, it was much more like hard hedges, um, and then, and then, as you progress through the opening of your box, you open the drawer, and then you're into suede and, and and softer color and vibrancy and all these contrasts. So, it's really about not just presenting a product, but also creating a bit of an experience. And the hierarchy of how you present the different components of that product is really important. So, the last thing you want to find when you first open your engagement ring is the warranty certificate. You know, so. Things like that are important to to take into consideration. And they're what what makes the iPhone packaging great. Everybody comes to me and says, I want my packaging to be like the iPhone packaging. And really, what they mean by that is, I want to be taken on a journey where the first thing I see when I open the box is my phone. And the cable and the headphones, they're at the bottom. So this idea of of experience and going on a journey has become even more important in the last couple of years, thanks to YouTube and this kind of phenomenon of unboxing videos. has that changed the way that you look at packaging, um, or, or is it is it is it more about simply the shift to digital that's 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 driving change? No, I mean when it comes to online packaging, a, a box really has so many functions to perform. It starts really with a purely functional aspect. It needs to keep your goods safe whilst they get delivered from a warehouse to your sofa. So that's a really basic basic level um, but then it becomes about representing the brand you know you may have visited a, a, a physical store um, to to you know try to teach her on or something and so you want your packaging to relate to that to at least live up to that picture you've 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 formed of what that brand is ideally exceed that expectation when you when you buy something online, there's a there's a gap that forms between the moment that you press the you know, click the the buy button and the moment that you get your item delivered, and that's a fundamental difference between buying online and buying in a store. What that means is there's a there's this gap, and that gap is really an opportunity for for you as a consumer to challenge your own decision. Was it the right thing to do? You know, was I right to spend four hundred pounds on another pair of shoes? You know, were these the right genes? And so when you receive the goods, you want that packaging to bring you back into that state of mind that you were in when you first made your decision to purchase the goods. 
And that's, that's called validation. And that's really important because if you get that validation right, what that triggers is retention. That means you might buy again from that website. To keep recruiting new consumers on your website is a very expensive thing and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a marketing exercise. And so really, all of a sudden, you start thinking about packaging not as a functional um, cost, but you start thinking of it as something with marketing value. And that's a very, very different way to, to approach it. In addition to that, um, I mentioned the, the scale of it. So all of a sudden, this packaging is not designed anymore for you to advertise the brand when you walk out the shop and, and you have a carrier bag, which is essentially a walking billboard. Your packaging now becomes something that is really um, for you to interact with in the space of your own home on a one-to-one -one level. So again, that brings in different design cues, you know, in terms of how you apply branding, for instance, or that customer journey we were talking about. And then finally, hopefully, if you've done that right, you will um, trigger that need in people to share it, take pictures of it, film it, um, and that's the unboxing phenomenon that you're, mm. that you're referring to. So it's worth investing in that and trying to get that right because once you achieve that, essentially you have people broadcasting adverts on your behalf for free. Yeah, um, And that's really powerful. And by the way, it works both ways. So if you get it wrong, they will tell you as well. They mm. will tell thousands of others. Um, and I know from experience that can be quite painful. I can imagine. Actually, we have um, some great uh, YouTube videos on uh, online of beauty bloggers that are so frustrated with the massive um, packaging they receive to, um, to present the beauty review products um, they get. And it's massive boxes to present them with a little beauty sponge. Um, And there you now really see a shift where people are demanding more sustainable, but also just more sensible choices. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, I think, when we were trying to create these magical unboxing moments that it shouldn't go too far where it feels excessive and unnecessary. Davy, have you seen any examples of, of brands that are getting that right, that are still creating a kind of magical experience, but doing it in a sustainable way? I think there's now so many better materials around and I think the challenge here with design is um, also to get the sizing right where you make it fit around that product um, and the example that I can think of now that is not luxury but very um, FMCG or mainstream is Amazon um, who are um, now basically forcing all their vendors um, to comply to their frustration-free packaging uh, system where boxes are the right size um, and where products also don't need extra packaging um, around the box that they come in so they can be just sent as they come and don't include extra ties and wraps. and So it's all super efficient. Um, and I think since they own half of the e-commerce market in the US, They're, they're about to influence the way we see this, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in previous podcasts, previous Stylist Future Thinking podcasts, we've discussed brands who are actively dispensing with packaging for these very reasons, Lush, for example. Um, 
What does the future look like for, for you, Vincent, in the luxury sector when you're facing up to these challenges and pressures? I think we're in a world now already where every single piece of packaging has to justify its place in the world. And so in some instances, it will mean actually we don't need packaging. In other instances, it might be about how this packaging is um, made. You know, is it is it made so that it's easier to recycle? And then that's assuming obviously the infrastructure is in place to then recycle it. It might be about which materials you've choose you've chosen. But really, the main shift that I see is 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 this: is packaging will have to be there for a reason, uh, above and beyond what you can then do with it in terms of making sure it doesn't leave. Uh, an impact it's a tricky one because obviously sustainability is such a complex multifaceted issue and it manifests itself in, in very different ways and some ways in which it manifests itself are not visible to the naked eye so they don't make a big uh, PR impact or they don't make an obvious uh, PR and then equally some some piece of packaging might look terrible but actually, when you boil it down, you know, they've got a very, relatively limited impact. So it's not always all as it seems. And, and looking at it from just the one angle can often be misleading. So I think it's an exciting time at the moment in the sense of where we're at the early stages of trying to get ahead around what that sustainability means. It's, it's one word for many, many problems. Um, and certainly that's one of the components that's going to to keep the world of packaging interesting um it feels to me like and correct me if i'm wrong but it feels to me like <clears throat> for luxury brands there is a big opportunity here because obviously sustainable packaging can be expensive to to cr- put in place and at least luxury brands have the budgets for that sort of thing and uh, as such it feels to me like that may become a luxury value you know this idea that what we're producing is very sustainable very eco-conscious Um, and that consumers might react very well to that as a luxury um, point of reference. Yeah, I think um, there's a big opportunity here because from our research it shows that over 70% of European consumers expect luxury brands to use sustainable packaging um, and that it's um, a big factor in the decision-making in the purchasing process. And we've seen some beautiful examples of materials that are extra suited to the to the luxury market because they have this sustainable quality and it becomes an interesting talking point. I think Floral Street is a great example um, where they've used a new material that's um, made from paper pulp and that uses um, recycled coffee cups, um, whereas Selfridges uses that material, uses also uses recycled coffee cups in its paper bags. Um which has a PR value, but also just looks beautiful, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference um, just by looking at the at the product. Yeah, and I think I think we've touched upon many things here, in just in those last couple of comments. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it, it is a massive opportunity, and it's a it's a creative opportunity as much as anything else. Um, we have a, a consumer now, which is really not only open but actively seeking those um, sustainable initiatives and and that means that 
it's a good time now to break the very established codes of an industry. And that it's okay for this box maybe to look different because, hey, look at this amazing new material I've used that is great for the planet. So from a, from a designer's perspective, that's a, that's a brilliant opportunity. And, and as, as, as you were saying, it's from a brand's perspective, it's an opportunity to stand out and to say, we're happy to do things differently and, 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 and this is what we stand for. So it's a very visual representation of a brand's core values, which is, which is really valuable. As far as uh, luxury is concerned, I think people tend to assume that, you know, if you're a luxury brand, things like that don't matter to you and, and, and why would you bother? Because it's really, it's, it's a money no object thing and, and therefore why care? But actually my, my own experience is very, very far from that. Um, we did a lot of work with the Burberry team to, um, to ensure our packaging was as um, sustainable as possible. We've developed bespoke materials which involved high rates of post-consumer waste in them. We have removed um, um, where we could lamination processes which were getting in the way of recyclability. Um, and we've also established a whole FSC... Um, um, what's the word I'm after? Standards? Or for all the materials. So so making sure that all the paper materials were issued from responsible foresting. So my personal experience is that actually luxury brands can and, and do care. Well, I think also being a luxury brand is about having a point of view and about leading the way and sustainability should be no exception in that in that respect. In addition to that, we're seeing now materials being developed uh, that look incredible. Um, and that look a, you know, just as good as their their virgin counterparts. So, um, like you mentioned, the paper cups, recycled paper, and you get a range of papers derived from that, which look incredible. So, opting for a, a more sustainable material now does not need to be a design statement. Twenty five years ago, if you wanted a recycled board, it would have to be brown or grey, and it would have lots of specks in it. So, you were making a creative statement. About, about your sustainability credentials. Whereas now, you can decide to be as vocal or as quiet about the sustainability cho choices that you make. So it's an interesting future for, for luxury packaging by the sounds of it. What, um, if our listeners were to take a couple of key takeaways away from this conversation, um, what, what would they be? Well, one thing I always really encourage people to do is to consider packaging at the heart of their product. Um, packaging can take a long time to develop. It can, um, it's a real budget that you need allocating. So mistake people make is to leave it to the last minute. So that would be my takeaway is actually think about it from the off. In terms of what makes uh, a piece of packaging design successful, it's, it's a real balancing act. So it's really... Um, taking into consideration the requirements of the brand, so from a creative perspective, what story do you want to tell? Taking into consideration the logistical requirements of a, of a pack to make sure that it functions and of, and of the industry, make sure it's, it's, you know, it can be manufactured and it's suitable for, for your entire supply chain. But also taking on board the requirements of your consumer, whether it's from a brand expectation or from a sustainability expectation. So it's a real balancing act. There's a really small intersection between those three different channels you have to navigate. Um, but I guess that's the reason not everybody is a good packaging designer. 
you want to add anything? Um, well, I would just like to add a challenge to that because what I'd be interesting to see is how we're going to develop packaging in this more e-commerce online landscape where um, you know our, our shopping habits become more virtual and what opportunities does that offer for packaging if in you know our physical world we need to cut out everything that's not unessential and be really serious about our sustainable credentials could we have cyberspace as a place to play and um, create this excessive luxury and stimulate all of our senses in a different way so hopefully next time when i create our um, packaging futures report I would be really excited to have more examples of that in there. And I think one thing to take into consideration as well is consumer behavior. I think it's one thing to expect your packaging to have very little impact, but I always find it really useful as a consumer myself to look back on my consumer behavior. Is it right that I expect to be able to sit on my sofa, click on this button and to have this item delivered to my door? That, for me, is also something that um, we need to look at beyond just uh, looking at the operational side of how do we cater to this behavior? Is the issue to do with behavior or how much of the issue is to do with behavior rather than the operational side of catering to that behavior? Great. Well, there's a lot of challenges still to face up to then, I think, and I hope that some of our listeners out there will be uh, will be taking them on. Um, thank you very much. A really interesting conversation. I'd like to thank my guests, Vincent Villager and Davy Penate. And thank you all for listening. I hope you join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available. 